You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains. The 1619 Project, Born on the Water. How to make a home. After a long day's work planting tobacco in the fields, after butyl treatment, after nothing to show for their hard work, sadness would come, a longing for Ndongo, for the mamas and daddies, for the friends they can no longer hug and talk with under warm sun. We are in a strange land, they said, but we are here and we will make this home. We have our songs, our recipes, our know-how. We have our joy. We will love, laugh, sing, and hug our children as tight as you can hold a child. We will survive because we have each other. And so the people planted the seeds they'd carried over the ocean, snuck to visit one another in the dark of night, sang songs, swapped tales of yesterday, remembering, remembering. And the people planted dreams and hope, willed themselves to keep living, living. And the people learned new words for love, for friend, for family, for joy, for grow, for home. We are in a strange land, they said, but we are here and we will make this home. We have our determination, imagination, faith. We will survive because we have each other. Welcome to the November edition of Black Book Talk. You are listening to Renee Watson read from her latest book, The 1619 Project, Born on the Water, which she co-wrote with Nicole Hannah-Jones. Renee? Welcome to Black Book Talk. Thank you for having me. And our co-host today is Emma Jackson Ford, bookwoman. Glad to be here. Glad to see November. That was a lovely introduction. Tell us about this book. Many people, many people, but not all people, know about the 1619 Project. So you might want to tell our audience a little bit about that and then how the book came about. So the 1619 Project is a work created by Nicole Hannah-Jones. It's a work of journalism where she's talking about the first group of enslaved people who arrived to Virginia and the history that all of that brings for our nation. And as she was touring and talking about her project and all the essays, I mean, it, it became, it's a collection of essays and also a podcast and the many things came out of the original 1619 project. Um, and as she was talking with adults, they would often ask, where well, is there anything for young people? How do I talk about this with children? A lot of educators as well wanted to know. And so she decided to do something for younger readers. And that is where I came into the picture. I was invited to be a part of the project by our editor, Namrata. And um, the book is published by Kokila, which is an imprint of Random House. And yeah, we, we talked, we had some conversations about how do we take this big story, this big part of our American history and talk about that with young people. And how do we make sure we center the humanity of the enslaved people and not only what happened to them on the ship, but who they were before um, they were taken. And so we wrote the book together. We wrote Every poem and the book is told in verse and we each 
wrote the poems together. So it was a true collaboration. I'm very proud of what we've created and very honored that we were able to have Nicholas Smith be our illustrator. His his illustrations are stunning and they make me emotional and they just capture our words so perfectly. So the three of us really worked together and I'm very proud of our book. You should be. Thank you. So how long did the collaboration take? You know, it was a very quick turnaround, actually. This is probably the fastest book I wrote. Um, we wrote this during uh, the kind of the thick of the pandemic last year, last winter in 2020. And um, I would say we wrote it in two months, which again, I've never created anything that quickly, but we needed a quick turnaround so that we could give the text to Nicholas to, so he could work on the illustrations. So yeah, we wrote <laughs> remotely, you know, we were quarantined. And so Nicole and I have only, at that point, we're talking through Zoom, text messages and a Google doc <laughs> to figure out how to piece this book together, which is, you know, not the ideal situation for writing a book, especially on this topic, but it worked for us. I mean, she had done so much research that I just needed to pull from that and get myself kind of up to speed with all that she knew. And then we had to think what's important to tell children and how do we tell it to them? Um, and once we figured out the format and the, you know, kind of the arc of the book, which is a young black girl is in school and she gets an assignment um, that's asking her to trace her roots and where she comes from. And her white classmates can count back many generations, but she cannot. So she's sad. And when she goes home and tells her family, the grandmother gathers the family and tells the story of, of their people, our people, and goes into um, how Black Americans got here, what happened to us when we got here, and how we resisted, and how there's a legacy for us to continue. So she, she ends being very um, full of pride and excited about who she is, where she's from, and motivated and inspired to carry on the torch to fight for democracy and for freedom for all. You know, I'm happy that there's some joy, that there seems there's been so, there's been so much sorrow in, in the country at you know, the last year or so, and it's certainly Black people in this country have struggled against sorrow and, and depression and whatever for the longest time. And frequently our stories are always stories of, of the strife, which I think can be very demoralizing for children. So one of the things that I like seeing is that there seems to be this counter movement and you've been a part of it. We interviewed you about one book and you said in the middle of the pandemic, you wanted to write a book about a whole and healthy young woman. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that in this book for younger people that you also are holding on to the idea you're pushing back against the whole thing that that to be black is to suffer and and be full of strife and nothing more. But you know, I mean, how long is was, did you two go into this with it, or in the conversation you said, okay, yeah, this is what we're going to do. This is the path we're going to take. Yes, we had a lot of conversations around focusing on the humanity and the fuller story, making sure we start in West Central Africa, so we can see their brilliance and that they loved each other. That there were whole families that they were talented, you know, um, we really wanted to just capture them as people first because they were, and then go into them, you know, becoming enslaved people and what happened to them. And even in with what happened 
with slavery here in the United States of America, also focusing on their resilience and their pushback and their um, resolve to survive and to not just survive, but to thrive. One of my favorite spreads in the book is for the poem Legacy, which talks about how these people born on the water who, you know, it was illegal to teach them how to read and they become teachers and scholars and authors and, you know, that, that we are people who know how to overcome and how to, how to survive. And we wanted young people to feel, especially young black Americans to feel pride in this country and in what our ancestors helped to build and that they could take some ownership of our country that, you know, because of us, we have a lot of the things that we have now. And I don't, we don't really talk about history in that way for black children. And so, yes, we talked a lot about kind of writing the book we wish we had when we were younger, instead of being ashamed and uncomfortable when slavery comes up in the classroom, what is it like to have children read about people who were inventors, makers, you know, these creative people and people who knew how to till the, the ground and literally make something out of nothing. I mean, they were sought after for a reason, right? That it wasn't accidental to bring that, that particular group, especially the first folks who arrived to Virginia, they were sought after because of how brilliant they were. And I, I did not learn that as a child. So yeah, we wanted to make sure that we focused on, on that part of the story as well. I too love the idea of bringing joy into this. What a beautiful book. So I'm wondering, are you and Ms. Jones gonna be going on tour with the book? We are doing some virtual events. Uh, touring is so hard right now because of the pandemic and because this is for young people. Um, we're not you know, wanting to go into schools um, because communities are really trying to make sure COVID doesn't spread and all of that. So we're not touring in person right now, but the three of us actually, myself, Nicole and Nicholas are doing quite a few virtual events together. And um, hopefully next year at the early part of next year, we'll be doing some more in-person things. How can we find out about the virtual things that you're doing now? You can, so there's a website dedicated to the 1619 Project books and you can visit that website. 1619books.com. And then my website will have all of the dates as well. And mine is reneewatson.net. What age group is the book aimed for? You know, I would say it's a picture book and I would say second grade and up it's appropriate for, I think probably third and fourth grade is the sweet spot as far as being able to have some conversation afterwards. Um, as I mentioned, the book is told in verse. And so it's also a way to you could talk about just one or two poems instead of maybe reading the whole thing all at once. It just depends on the child um, and what they can take in. But we were very, we tried to be thoughtful and intentional with word choice and how we're telling the story so that we're not traumatizing young people, um, but also telling the truth, right? And so, yeah, I think if second grade and up, it's, it's just fine. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from adults that, you know, yes, it's a picture book, but also um, there's some things that unfortunately, even we're learning as adults about our history. So I think it's a book that hopefully will be read across ages. So talking about word choice and rhythms, I'll talk a little bit about the process to get to this form. 
So I think for me, and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, about, you know, that being appropriate for a young age. I think poetry lends itself to younger readers because of the, the rhythm, repetition, because you're talking in imagery, not so much the um, actual, you know, details. And so being able to have more flowery language around um, a heavy topic or serious topic was helpful. So that's why we chose poetry as far as like the practical, like what is going to be accessible to young readers. And then I was thinking about poetry also as kind of a tribute to Blackness and the way that we do storytelling and the way that poems and stories have been, oral stories have been passed down from generation to generation. So we talked a lot about that and I think the first thing we did after the research and after really knowing kind of like, okay, we know it's going to be a girl who's trying to find out where she comes from. I picked through a lot of the phrases from the original 1619 Project work and used some of those for titles of the poems as a guide. And then we literally just started writing. I, I think I started writing the first stanza and then left space for Nicole to join in and write the next stanza and within each poem, both of our voices are present. And once we were finished, we went back through and said, okay, is this kid-friendly language? Is there a way to make this more simple? Um, what, what details do we need to add? You know, we just kept uh, honing and honing and revising and revising until we got it just right. You know, you mentioned uh, the poem Legacy. Do you have that handy? Cause I would love to hear that as an illustration of, of the outcome of this poetic collaboration. Sure, I can read that. While you're looking for it, I wanted to say that I was looking at the illustrations mm -hmm. and just the way he drew the mouths laughing and throwing their heads back, the way the teeth are drawn, such a joyous book. Yes, I love again. I mean, I can't I can't say enough about collaborating with Nicholas. He's an artivist, so he uses his art to, um, you know, speak out against injustice, to tell stories of marginalized groups. And I just I love that. I keep saying I knew that our words were in good hands when he became the illustrator and had no doubt that he was going to capture the essence of what we were trying to to do. And yes, when we are starting out, especially in the beginning of the book, I, I love seeing the joy on um, the characters faces and learning even through the art about um, the structures that the people built and the way they use their hands, the things that they made. He did a lot of research to make sure that even the instruments are accurate and the mask that the people are wearing. You know, he he's a fantastic artist and I highly recommend just looking into his work in general. But yes, he absolutely captured all of the emotions. We really go on a ride as far as, you know, joy, sorrow, loss, uh, fear, and then ultimately hope and resilience. And I think he captured that very well. So I can read Legacy. Um, this is towards the very end of the book after she's learned the, the full journey. We've kind of just come through learning about the civil rights movement proper and other ways that the people collectively resisted. And then the grandmother tells her this, Legacy. And the people who were born on the water survived, kept living, living, 
It was illegal to teach enslaved people how to read, but they birthed generations of teachers and librarians, scholars and authors. They were brokenhearted, beaten and bruised, but they became healers, pastors and activists, doctors and counselors. No one could steal the people's joy. They wrote songs, created jazz and hip hop, rhythm and blues. They became inventors and athletes, nurses and cooks, pilots and architects, farmers and housekeepers, singers and artists, dancers and poets, mathematicians and scientists. They passed on their stories through the stitch of a quilt, shared secret messages through songs. The people survived, the people fought. And because the people survived and because the people fought, they finally got freedom. And because the people survived and because the people fought, America has equality in the law. And because the people survived and because the people fought, America began to live up to its promise of democracy. It is the people who fight for this democracy still. That is perfect. And I want to say that I predict that this book is going to be a library read aloud favorite. I hope so. I mean, we really want it. You know, it's interesting when you are writing a book that has such, it already comes with such acclaim because of Nicole's work, but the 1619 Project, we wanted to still make sure at the heart of it that the most important thing was to write a good picture book for young readers, right? And so, yeah, I really hope that people read it aloud to their young people, that discussions happen. You know, I'm always saying no matter what I write, it's not just for entertainment or not just to be the story. And then you close the book and that's it. We're hoping that conversations start and that educators think about how to use the book in the classroom. There's so much going on right now with the silencing of Black voices, especially when it comes to our stories, our history. So we're hoping that this story can help um, teachers who are wondering or thinking, how do I talk about slavery in the classroom? How do I talk about racism in the classroom? We hope this book is a tool for that as well. One of the reviewers of the book said something, said something like, this is poetry, but poetry does not lie. Yeah, and the fact that you do have that truth. I wanna say something else. This is the second time this year that we've interviewed you because you are so prolific. I don't know how you do it. And I think I would be remiss not to ask you about your Ryan Hart books. I mean, you know, folks, if you are looking for really beautiful books, I mean, th this book, Good Brady, I mean, the, the, the visual, the illustrations are so wonderful, but your Ryan Hart books are so wonderful. And, you know, before we leave, I think we just you, tell us a little bit about these books. We haven't spoken about them, but, you know, it's just that you come out with so much good stuff. Oh, thank I have you. to interview you on a regular basis. I mean, it's not just because you're a hometown girl, because as I like to say about you, you are Portland's own, but we share you with the world. You go around, and, and people need to understand that. You go around the world. You have seen the world because of your writing. And those who question the value of writing or if there can be a career as a writer, if you're good, which you certainly are, you can make a career of it. And a part of it, I think, is that is the variety. You do young adult, you do... K through eight or whatever you do, you do books for very young children, but talk about Ryan Hart because I like her. She's a sweetie. Oh, thank you. I love Ryan too. Um, so the idea for the Ryan Hart series actually came between a, a conversation with my editor 
um, about the Ramona series. You know, I, as you said, I am a Portland girl, grew up in Northeast Portland. My aunt lived a, around the corner from Click Attack Street. And so when I saw that name in Beverly Cleary's books, I was like, wait a minute, this is Portland. And I just, I loved that I could recognize the streets and the library that Ramona was going to and walking on. But, you know, there are, I think you can love something and critique it. So I say this with love. There were no Black people in that series, even though there are Black people in the neighborhood that Ramona lives in. And so as a kid, I didn't know to articulate it in that way. But as I got older and realized that we are just missing so much from books and especially about the Pacific Northwest, I really wanted to tell a story about a, you know, a girl who's having fun and living a carefree childhood like Ramona, getting into all kinds of shenanigans and she is black and that, and really, really, as we were talking about earlier, focusing on black joy, I really didn't want to explore necessarily like um, racism and have this be a topical book in that way. I wanted her to be able to live, love her family, have a you know healthy environment to grow up in. And yeah, I'm really proud of the book. It's a series. So we are at, uh, let's see, Ways to Make Sunshine is the first book. Ways to Grow Love is the second. And next year, next fall, Ways to Share Joy will be out. And then there's one more after that. So there will be four books total in the series. And we are taking Ryan through this, the, the seasons. So we start um, with summer and then she has a full year. So we get to see Portland is such a character in the book. She's um, out a lot in the city of Portland. And that's really on the page, which was exciting to write. Um, I'll add that Ryan is based off of my goddaughter, whose name is also Ryan, who used to let she when she was younger, she would cook up all these concoctions and always ask me to be the taste tester. And she loved experimenting in the kitchen. And so that's kind of the the beginning of the story for me and the character was creating this character after my goddaughter. And Ryan's name means king. And so her family is always telling her, be who we named you to be, be a leader, be thoughtful, be kind. And so that's kind of her, her journey as a character is, how do I be thoughtful and kind even when things aren't going my way? Um, how do I make sunshine and share joy when things are you know frustrating and when there are hardships in the family? So that's kind of some of the things she's dealing with is friendship drama because she's in the fourth and fifth grade. Um, and family changes with a new baby sister and a father who's lost his job. So that's kind of the back story of her character is navigating this world um, while still trying to make sunshine. And you finished book two of the series and book three is coming out? Yes, I actually just finished book three. Uh, my editor has it now. <laughs> so I'm waiting for notes on that and we're about to enter the revision process I have not started book four. That's a ways away for now, thankfully. So I have some time to kind of rest and think about what that book, what the last book will be. Renee, could you explain the title? What does it mean to be born on water? So that line came directly from the original 1619 Project. Um, when I read it and then was listening to the podcast and heard Nicole say it, I was like, oh, we have to use that, that line. And what it means is, you know, so people were stolen from many different places in West Africa. And 
they became one people on the water. They, you know, they were from different tribes. And so on the water, that's when we became what we now will say Black Americans, African Americans. And so the idea that all these different people, different languages, different customs now are going to be having the same experience um, is kind of where that idea comes from. And Nicole has been quoted as saying that line kind of came to her in a moment when she was stuck um, writing the 1619 Project. And she really believes like the ancestors gave her that that line. And I just felt like it was so powerful. So we used it to open um, grandma's remarks in the book. And then when we were thinking of a title, it just felt fitting to say that the, this people that we are all a part of as Black Americans, we became one on that ship on the way here. I have so enjoyed this interview because I think this is a beautiful book. I enjoyed the previews that I was able to find online. Beautiful book. I'm looking forward to talking to you in 2022 about the Ryan Hart series again. Thank you all so much. I always say you support everything I do and I so appreciate you and love any chance I get to be in conversation with you. So thank you. Thank you, Renee. We are proud of you. This ends the November edition of Black Book Talk. We invite you to join us again next month, the first Thursday of every month at 1130. Good reading to you. This has been Black Book Talk, the um, November 2021 edition. Bye-bye. And 